Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me and my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jay here. Cacao! Back again. Doing something we haven't done in a while. I like these. I wish we'd done more. We are uh, pitching movies. Instead of just critiquing other people's work, we're putting our own ideas into the universe. Uh, this week, <laughs> or better doing... or worse. <laughs> yeah. It could be worse than Transformers. Well, um, I, I'm sure we'll still critique each other's ideas, so they'll they'll still be negativity. Yeah, you know, we can't help it. That's our natural right. state of being. All right. But this week we're doing DC movies. I don't know if we're saying DCEU or just DC comic book movies, but uh, pulling from the DC Comics universe to pitch films, I will say in our defense, the bar's pretty low, so... Right. I mean, I that's, think we can... that's kind of so. I, I did want to clarify that before we got started here, because like, are we pitching just like our ideal, like what we'd like to see from the DC universe, or like, kind of like based on where they are now, what they should do next? I didn't think at all about what they've already done. Okay. I my my ideas are based on what they've already already done, but I tried to steer away from what I would usually do with this sort of thing is try to guess what dumb idea they would have next. So I, I, I tried say, to come up with ideas I would like for them to do. I did have one of mine, and if we were cool starting, I, we could start with this one. One right. of mine is a um, I, I can't. It's not connected but it wouldn't work without the DCEU currently existing. Like it ha- like we can't ignore that it's there. And I was thinking, uh, my first is a new frontier movie. Um, and whereas like new frontier as a concept and as a comic is kind of a rebuttal of like overly gritty, um, really dark comics. I think the new frontier as a film could be a direct rebuttal to what the DCEU has currently been. Mm. Um, I also think you could play almost as like an allegory, uh, not an allegory of a parody of the MCU so far. Like it could play into some of the things that made the MCU so strong, which is some of that inspirational family friendly, very Captain America kind of, uh, ideals in my version of the movie, Martian Manhunter would be the main character and it would actually be probably instead of more so than a new frontier movie, be a Martian Manhunter movie in that it's, his introduction into this world and um, how humans are violent and distrustful. And it really highlights uh, the need that we have for inspiration and for how heroes can aspire us to be better. Um, But that we should be realistic about our heroes and what they are. And I think there's one thing DCU as in their DC does in general over like Marvel comics is that, you know, they're, they're godlike powers with human problems. I think you still include those human problems, but you don't overemphasize them. Maybe like the DCEU currently has as for cast. I know it's overly used on this podcast, but I'm voting Idris Elba for Martian Man. <laughs> I mean, Idris Elba is such a great pick for Martian Man. It's a dead fit. Yeah. yeah, that's my first one. Thoughts? You guys can take me and tell me I'm wrong. Well, first of all, so would you? Are you? You're actually proposing to set it in the time frame, correct? Yeah. See, I, that part's not so set, set for me. I mean, it could be. Well, because oh, it I could kind of be think, like a soft reboot almost. Because you could do it in that, but you could also set it now and hit a lot of those same sort of 
themes because a whole lot of now is similar to the themes in that, you know? Yeah. Uh, what, what was, what was the, the original one set? It's set in the, it's set in the sixties, uh, you know, and you know, the, like right after the Korean war, right? Right. Right. The yeah. cold war plays prominent in it. The, uh, civil white right struggle plays prominent in it. And, uh, I think, man, I think making Man, Martian Manhunter the main character is, is a great idea, uh, you know, because that gives it almost a, like, Star Trek-y, like, nature of man feel to it, you know, having this outsider look at these guys and, uh, and be your sort of point of view character. And I think in a lot of ways, this could, like, even though it's a very different tone than a lot of the DC movies they've done so far, it could be done in the way they seem to like. Because a, a whole lot of how this story is told is sort of cut up scenes of just, you know, what's going on with each character as, as opposed to a continuous narrative of them all interacting with each other. And you could do those sort of Zack Snyder-y sort of video game cut scenes to, you know, tell those little parts of the story. Yeah, no, for sure. I do think that if I were to imagine it as a movie, it would probably be um, a little more narrow in scope. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I want to do like a full Justice League movie. Like I definitely would want these things from Martian Manhunter's perspective. So maybe right. more so knowing kind of to what you're talking about. Um, we introducing these characters, uh, we knowing that they already exist in this world and maybe you could set it within the current DCEU timeline so you don't have to introduce them and then have him inter- almost go through an interaction with each character. Like him, something happening where he does have an interaction with the Flash or something, you know, where he does interact with Superman. And it's not necessarily a full Justice League movie as much as it is this guy being introduced into this place and learning his place and his role in it um, by looking at both the people and the heroes that currently exist. Well, and it'd be a sharp way to do it in a way that I don't think has been done, which is instead of doing a origin story for each character, you have a point of view character and you have a reason to learn what each character is about through this guy learning what each character is about. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I, uh, I also like this because it is kind of an easy way to have like a, a narrative counterpoint to kind of, uh, you know, this, the dark storytelling that the DCEU has been so far in a way to like, you know, like one of my favorite moments from at least the animated adaptation of, of this one is the justification that it gives for uh, Batman to essentially get a Robin, which is where he's, he, uh, Batman is, is like fighting, uh, you know, this evil cult, uh, and is trying to save a young boy that's been that's been like taken by the cult, and the boy is scared of him, and and he has like this this internal struggle uh, about like I you know I, I I wear this costume to scare criminals, but not to scare kids. This isn't you know this isn't the point of why I do this. And I like I, I like even in uh, that's such a small moment in that story that is it's it's Martian Manhunter's story. Uh, you know I think that's that's just a great simple justification for one why it's good to have a Robin in the story why he's makes sense and kind of is like a oh you know there is like there is a too far like we need to remember why we're actually you know in the business of of like saving people and right firing people and that kind of thing yeah you guys nailed it thanks for yeah, understanding I, I think this one I, I mean first of all if you're out there in podcast land and you've never read this comic dc new frontier just go get it right now it's pretty fucking perfect i i would go as far as to say it's better than Watchmen. 
But uh, wow, yeah, I, I really love, and I I love the time frame it set in. I love mm-hmm. I love taking a serious look at the you know instead of like a, a you know like a serious look at, at like the Silver Age like origins of it, but not like updating them like doing it during that time which i'm not saying the movie would need to be that but i i, I like that about the comic but um yeah uh i, just, I think this is this is going to be a, t- a tough idea to top because i really like this one thank you it, well in that and that's part of it i think it's a good critique of both where those films have been but also pretty applicable to what's our current like world is like um but the other one thing i did want to say that yeah is that it's not, it can be more than just the commentary. And I think the comic book is really good about this because there are certain things in the comics which just seem like minute details, but like are cool Easter eggs, which, you know, as much as we, I just want you to make a good movie. I also, you know, I enjoy those things. I Like, for example, uh, I'm pretty sure Hal Jordan gets the ring the same year that the first Green Lantern comic book was published. And uh, the yeah. same thing's true for like The Flash, like The Flash, the first appearance of The Flash in new frontier is the same year the first flash comic came out and so like simple things like that it's like we can make nods to comic book culture uh and have these cool easter eggs in this thing which people are going to eat up and talk about but also this film can be a whole lot more than just um trying to build a cohesive universe well here here is my sort of heavy question about it uh considering what's going on in the world the last few weeks is doing this version of John Henry Irons the best idea on earth or the worst idea on earth? Yeah, that's a fair, fair question. Because yeah. um, I it, love that and I think it would be, but I might not be the right person to make that call, you know? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that would probably be choices that I certainly haven't thought. Of. I, it's the one thing that they're, they would workshop. There would be like six people in a room really trying to hammer it out. Right, uh, right. I also agree with you. I think it could really work, but it, it, of course, it depends on so many variables. But that's my first one. I don't know if I, I want like to go it. around. Right. Yeah. On. Uh, well, uh, I'll go next. Uh, and man, I, I'm going to have a hard time top, topping that pitch. But uh, my uh, my idea is, you know, I, I did both of my ideas based on the idea of, you know, the Zack Snyder verse did happen not ignoring that it happened and trying to continue on from there. Uh, And I think the uh, big idea on how to reset that everyone always goes with is Flashpoint. And I think Flashpoint's a terrible idea for doing that because Flashpoint's exactly the kind of comic book storytelling that the Snyderverse is. It would just be Mm -hmm. fixing a thing with the exact same thing, just with, you know, super dark, overly serious, overly dramatic stuff. So I think, and this is one of those things that when the Guardians of the Galaxy was such a huge success, I don't understand why a movie for this wasn't greenlit greenlit the next day, but my pitch would be for a Legion of the Superheroes movies. Mm. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with that concept, the Legion of Superheroes are a group of teenage superheroes in the 30th century uh, that, um, you know, have been more rebooted than any characters of all time. But the best version of the premise is that, you know, they were inspired by the idea that in the 20th century, Superboy has existed. And even though he was a teenager, he had still, because he had these abilities, he had decided to fight for what was right. And that's what they decide to do. And the, the Legion is really known for having this super large cast. Like, it dwarfs the X-Men's cast. That's how many 
legionnaires there have been over the years. And, you know, uh, some of them are, you know, um, pretty generic and some of them are pretty clever. There's, uh, you know, as far as power strings and stuff, like, for instance, one of my favorite ones from a power standpoint is Ultra Boy, who has all the powers of Superman, but he can only use them one at a time. <laughs> so, like, he, if he flies, he doesn't have super strength. If he has super strength, he's not super fast, that sort of stuff. And my pitch for it would be, you know, starting with that same premise, that, the, that these guys in the 30th century are in a museum and learn about the legend of Superboy, and they decide, well, we want to do that too. Because also the thing with these is, uh, you know, most of them don't really have power origins. They're just all from planets where everyone has that power. So they would be in this museum, they would find out the legend of Superboy, and they would decide to assemble a team. So, you know, I think with that, you know, it could have sort of a, like a J.J. A. Abrams Star Trek aesthetic, a sort of futuristic, but from the, but with a look of like the 60s version of futuristic, just, you know, with modern special effects. You know, I, I would say probably even though the, the team is usually huge, maybe limited to six or seven members. Uh, but an essential one would probably have to be Brainiac 5 to tie him into the uh, modern-day DC Universe. Brainiac 5 is the descendant of the Superman villain uh, Brainiac, who I think has always been a natural choice for, like, the next Superman villain, but they've never got to him because it's really hard to take the name Brainiac seriously. He's sort of creepy Galactus, but that name just cuts him off at the knees. But I think if you introduced it in this sort of almost sillier place, you could then go back and do Brainiac in the past as his evil ancestor. And, you know, basically you'd have an anchor for maybe this won't be as stupid when we see it. I mean, the irony is, is the name Brainiac only sounds stupid because it, you know, came into pop culture and got used in pop culture so much because it was popular from the Superman comic. That's true. That's a good point. But, um, you know, uh, my loose premise for the story would be that, you know, they get together, they fight some, because also Legion of Superheroes can also be topical, because one of the things they, uh, you know, a lot of the Legion stories have been about are about xenophobia and stuff like that. And, you know, there are people who want the United Planets, which they represent to exist, and there's people who want to live a more isolated, you know, uh, existent on Earth where aliens aren't allowed and stuff like that. So I would say have them fight some sort of, you know, some sort of threat along those lines. Uh, And something maybe happens at the end of this movie where they decide, maybe even it's a discovery of Brainiac in modern times, where they decide we have to go back to the past and get Superboy. Mm. We have to get Superboy to come help us. Only at the end, travel to the past and find out that Superboy never existed because this version of Superman was never Superboy. So by going to get him and taking him to the future, they then by thereby make him become Superboy, thereby changing the DCEU. When, he, when Superman, when you come back to it, maybe that's why Superman's a lighter tone. Maybe that's why Lex Luthor's no longer uh, a, a wacky teen, Joker-esque teenager. You know, that's, <laughs> um, you know uh, I, I, I think, I just think it's a better jumping off point for rebooting the universe than Flashpoint. I yeah, don't think I mean, the world. I, I don't think the world needs Flashpoint at all right now. I yeah. think. Uh, I think that time is well and truly past. So I. I uh, I'm game for almost any other alternative for uh, an in-universe reboot. 
the only yeah, thing Flash- I liked about Flashpoint was the idea of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as, as right. Thomas Batman, but yeah. everything else about it seems stupid. Uh, Flashpoint makes me hate characters that I really like, and I don't want to hate them. And uh, the DCEU kind of already does that, so it seems like a terrible combination of things. Um, And I I do appreciate, Jehu, that you started off with, okay, this thing exists. How can I kind of change that and rewrite it? Um, And almost in a in-game type of thing, like we're going to just we're going to do something in the future to kind of help us rewrite the past. And then we're now we're going to tell new stories. And, uh, I, I mean, I think that is, would be a intelligent way for Warner brothers to continue what they've already done with people. Cause again, you've talked about a ton that the casting is good. It's great. In right. these things. So how can we move from the tones and stories we've already set into place? Okay. Well, let's just do this like funky time travel movie. And now we're going to say from here on out, it's different, which is a very DC Comics thing to do. Right. Boy, it's like their main move. It's like their one move. And I mean, it's not like audiences aren't prepared to accept that. We get it. You know, I, I, think, uh, I think that's very achievable. Let me and ask you. Know, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to well, say, I, also, I feel like it makes like a, a, um, a like ripple effect. If Superman starts being Superboy when he's a teenager... Does his dad even die in a stupid tornado at that point? Yeah. Maybe maybe if that, it changes the whole world's view on superheroes. Maybe that's why Bat- this Batman has six or seven partners, stuff like that. Who would you cast as a young, as Superboy, as a young Superman? That's the thing. I got casting for none of these guys because, you know, I feel like everybody who would be good at this are nobody yet. You know what I'm saying? That's, a, that's a good. That's a good. You know, they're, they're going to be young and sexy in about three years. Yeah, it was pretty, I was, I was having, I was also looking for like younger actors. And I feel really weird Googling that, <laughs> you know, like, like, like show me, show me, show me young, sexy people. I, yeah. I 100% did the same thing earlier when I was thinking about this. It's like, well, I'll just great Google who's young and sexy right now. I was like, no, I will not, <laughs> not do that. The only actor that comes to mind for me is only and only because I've watched those PS I Love You movies is Noah Centineo, who is like the male lead in them. He's, you know, uh young, attractive male dude with black hair. Like uh he looks like like a I realize you're talking about um Superman, but I mean if you were to cast like Connor Kent, he would be the guy. Like he he right. just looks he looks like a, a teenage Superman. But, well, you know, and actually, with Legion stories, he could be both because they're the Legion of the Superhero comic uh, cartoon from the Audis had where Superman was a character in it, but also the Connor Kent Superboy was a character in it. So you know that you could clone him and have him be both. I dig it, man. I think that's smart. Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, Joseph, I, give I'll us get your it. half idea. Well, it's funny because I, you know, I feel like I. Feel- <laughs> I feel like I can make enough out of this. We'll be all right. Uh, I've, I've, I've vacillated back and forth on this one, but I still want to stick with it, but I'll explain why I'm not sure about it. But I just feel like a live action static shock movie would hit really fucking hard right now. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. For those who didn't grow up, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there were readers of the comic prior to it becoming a show on, uh, I guess it was, w the wb back when it was the wv but you know it's uh it's about a young black boy named uh virgil who gets caught up in uh this 
gang conflict that gets broken up by this explosion of mysterious chemicals that give a bunch of people superpowers, including him, uh, which he uses to become, you know, uh, static or static shock. Cause that's, I think officially canon. Now. I think they actually change it after a billion zillion people keep <laughs> calling it static shock. Right. My, my issue with coming up with this is that, so much of, of what makes this character interesting or what made the, at least that show interesting to me is the fact that he's so much they're like the, the parallels between static and Spider-Man are numerous <laughs> right down to his, his, especially like the new homecoming movies, his little sidekick, uh, Richie, who is essentially the exact same character as Ned from the new Spider-Man movies. Almost all the people that he fights are, are are his enemies, his foes have some kind of personal relationship with him or somebody that he knows, somebody that's from, you know, his city. The, I guess the biggest problem is we just had Into the Spider-Verse, so we already have Black <laughs> Spider-Man. Right. But I still think it's it's a really fun character. I like the idea of bringing him to a live-action setting. I feel like he could be still more relevant, though, because I think the fact that Miles Morales shares a name with Spider-Man makes him sort of secondary, you right. know, even when you make him the main character of a movie, whereas Static Shock has always been his own thing. For sure. And I also, one of the things I liked about, I mean, even even the cartoon uh, growing mm-hmm. up is that it does, uh, I feel like it does a good job of, you know, he has, he has a pretty substantial rogues gallery. Again, they're, they're all mostly people that were near or close by the Big Bang, which was that the chemical explosion uh, between that that like gang conflict, but I feel like it portrays a lot of his villains and rogue galleries as maybe they were you know engaged in criminal activities, maybe they were in this in this gang conflict in some way, but they're like more complicated people than just like criminals who got superpowers. You know, they all have like their own right. motivations. They have motivations for why they were there that day. They have motivations for why they're. Uh, you know, being supervillains. I don't know. Like it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a more complicated portrait, which I think is, is again, probably something that's necessary these days. I, I think this one's a really good idea, mostly based on that, you know, again, this is, this is a thing that has existed outside of comics. There's people that already exist that this is their childhood, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those people are more grown up now, but they'd probably be ready to see it as a movie. I do think there's something wonky with the rights on Static, uh, you know, so it, it could be an uphill battle. A static was first introduced as part of like a, an imprint of DC that was like sort of set in an alternate universe that all the, all, you know, all the superheroes were uh, were minorities. And, uh, uh, you know, I think at one, when uh, Michael G. B. Jordan was talking about playing Superman, I was basically like, fuck that. He should play the character icon from this from this universe. I forget that what would, the universe. That would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> Milestone. Milestone was the name of this mm. uh, universe. And it was it was an imprint on uh, in DC, but I think the character, the creator still uh, retained the the rights. But I think those guys would totally be willing to, you know, uh, take a payday and make this movie. I was going to say, I love this character. I love the show as a kid. I continued to follow it growing up. You know, I was really excited when they brought the character into Young Justice. Um, and I, what, you know, I think the comparison to Miles Morales, Morales is fair, but 
to Jehu's point, I think he could mean more. Like, I think it could be a bigger statement because it is its own thing. And sure, I mean, we all agree there's not certainly not enough representation in these films as is. So it's not like there's, oh, we can't tread on this because we've already got Black Panther and Into the Spider-Verse out there. Um, but uh, my my one, like, thing of hesitation, and again, this is just about who would do it creatively, is like, you know... I think certain parts of like Luke Cage tried to tread into this kind of some of the stuff you're talking about. And it's such a delicate thing for a predominantly white community as Hollywood. Like you would want to get people of color to produce this and direct this and write this. Cause you want this stuff to is handled carefully and correctly. Um, Cause like, for example, Luke Cage, I thought the first half of Luke Cage is real strong. But that second half, it kind of just gets wonky and zany. And um, I think part of that is like a combination of trying to like handle street stuff with superpowers. Mm -hmm. And you you just want to find the right creators for it because you want to do that stuff justice because it deserves to be told correctly. Other thing I want is I want to see every single trick-or-treater at my door in a static outfit. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, I definitely hope if if they ever do do this as a movie, do do. If they ever make this a movie, <laughs> uh, uh, they uh, they like just stick with the with the costume. They just stick with this costume that looks like a teenage kid made it himself. It's a really cool costume, and it doesn't need to be you know a uh, plastic leather bodysuit you know type shit. Agreed. That's it. So my second one is uh, a little more of a original story idea um i did kind of steal it from a popular want the internet has which is a green lantern core movie um really focusing on kind of a cop narrative between hal jordan and john stewart together the film will be set that there's like essentially a intergalactic war between the different lantern cores really focusing on atrocitus is kind of like the villain um, it's Green Lantern Corps versus Red Lantern Corps. And over like a series of events, it seems like Hal and John just are always two steps behind, which leads them to believe that there is a, someone betraying them within the core, which of course would be Sinestro. So uh, the first film would be, uh, you know, these two guys versus Atrocitus and the Red Lantern Corps setting up hopefully for a Sinestro story later on. The cast for it, I would like John Krasinski as Hal Jordan. I'm uh, into that. Leslie Odom Jr. as John Stewart. If you guys have never seen Hamilton, he plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton. He's oh, incredible. Right, right. John Bernthal as Atrocitus. And uh, <laughs> my Sinestro is Vigo Mortensen. Yeah, all right. Oh, that is real good. Because, I mean, he has a sort of alien jawline anyway. <laughs> like, it's too perfect. So, uh, Man, I like this because you could also play it like John Stewart's sort of new to the scene and he yeah. starts to see that Sinestro is a problem first and Jordan isn't believing it because, you know, uh, Sinestro is his colleague. He's his friend. He looks up to him. So, you know, you can yeah, have like a, lot of not, you know, a lot of nice tension there. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. The, the, you, we should probably fly you to Hollywood for that. That's the idea they need for Green Lantern as opposed to whatever they're going to do. I think a lot of people want 
you know, they want like a green. I think they want those two characters. I think there's a lot of popularity between both of them, but people see it and they see a white guy and a black guy and the, you know, the green lanterns like space cops. It's like, Oh, let's do space training day. Um, right. but I, I don't We've think mentioned it, several times in this podcast ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Not, let's not yeah. make this a they, let's is also an us, but carry on. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it, you know, again, with my last one also, I don't want to continue this extremely dark, let me hate the heroes narrative right. that we've had. Um, I think there, again, is something to be honest about everyone is flawed, and I think that's why you include, like, Sinestro, and you have him be a part of the Green Lantern Corps the whole time. But I think there's also room for a clearly good guys, clearly bad guys story. Here's the hero, here's the villain. Um, and I think that the dynamic between those guys could be really fun, especially with what you're talking about, having like what people, what Hal Jordan, what people expect Hal Jordan and Sinestro to have, to have that between Hal and John. But then this area of mistrust where John Stewart can see it, I think that's really like a really awesome idea. Yeah, I really like that. I also like that um, it is one of those things that's hard to decide between because there are people within DC Warner high up who really want Hal Jordan to be the thing. But not only from a representation point, but from a pop culture point, like the more close, the the most recently relevant Green Lantern is Jon Stewart. The last time Jon Stewart really was beloved in pop culture was the JLU cartoon. So, uh, you know, just go ahead and put them both is a good idea. And Green Lantern is different than a lot of superhero, uh, you know, uh, concepts. If you make somebody else Captain America, you're still... Okay, well, this person's Captain America, but when is Steve Rogers coming back? But with yeah. Green Lantern, almost part of the concept is, well, anybody can put this on and do this and do their own version of it. So you want to see different people do it. Yep, that's my idea for a Green Lantern movie. Better than whatever David Goyer is going to give me. Almost certainly. <laughs> All right, uh, my second idea, again, is also based around the idea of the DCEU happened, and it is exactly as it is. And this one is less of a uh, time traveling reboot of way of dealing with it and more of just a going forward, which I think instead of trying to keep that version of the Justice League together and worry about how we're going to do that with, uh, you know, now Batman is suddenly going to be in a different movie 20 years younger and stuff like that, I think just go on to the next team of the Justice League. I think I, what I would like to do is do the 80s version of the Justice League most commonly known as Justice League International. And uh, basically in comics, what it was is uh, in the, uh, you know, in the post-crisis DC universe, after everybody was getting rebooted and stuff like that, a lot of the big characters weren't available to be in the league. Their editorial office wouldn't let them be. So like Wonder Woman and Hal Jordan and Superman specifically were like, well, no, we've got shit going on that you just can't use them in the league. So what, they decided to do is like okay well we'll just do one that's more a league that's more b-list characters and it started off as a serious take but it by about issue six or seven it had just devolved into full comedy and that's what i think this would be the the lead character in that is a character called maxwell maxwell lord who's later turned into a villain you know yada 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 but uh but my premise for justice league international is that no one in the league bothered to get any of the any of the branding copyright. So 
Maxwell Lord comes along and he copyrights all the stuff and finds funding to put together a new league. And he basically puts together a league of these sort of second string heroes. And from the existing thing, you could already use, like this would be a perfect role for uh, Shazam. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he could be the Superman of this league. But, you know, of course, he's a fuck-up teenager instead of Superman. But the characters that are in it, uh, you know, Martian Manhunter was sort of the straight man in it, but there were characters like the Guy Gardner Green Lantern, who is, you know, sort of a, thinks he's dirty hairy, but is just kind of a uh, asshole. Um, there, Blue Beetle and Beast Booster Gold, who are sort of kind of just in it for the chicks. And, but it also had sort of an international cast because it was Justice League International. So it would be a way to have some, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, bring in some diversity in a non-awkward way. You could have characters from other countries and, you know, sometimes that could be taken seriously and sometimes that could be for laughs. Uh, this, is, I, this was actually, it was what I was going to talk about in my, what my reading this week, uh, if, except it turned into this pitch. Uh, it's just a really great run of a comic. It uh, it ages really well. It still reads pretty modern right now. And the guys who wrote it were legitimately funny. So uh, uh, probably if there's one scene from it that anyone knows, it's the one punch scene, which is Guy, Guy Gardner from the beginning decides he's going to be the leader of this league. And he's sort of an asshole to everyone. And he challenges Batman to a fight. And this was really before this this modern version of Batman where Batman can be anybody if he's prepared enough bullshit. So this was really a good scene at the time where Batman just basically takes him out in one punch and it's a joke for the rest of the series. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, you know, I honestly, I don't know exactly who I would do a- as my entire league for that, but I would definitely, instead of trying to use the guys who who we need to take seriously to use some guys who we don't and maybe let give guys like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman some chance to breathe in their own movies before you try to do the real league again. I'm perfectly fine with that. I also wanted to let you know that I specifically didn't do anything with Booster Gold because I knew you were going to do something with Booster Gold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, may have been, uh, that may have been one of the things that really hit with this comic with me at the time is, you know, Blue Beater and Booster Gold in a lot of ways remind me a whole lot of me and my best friend. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of, this is probably what we would be like as superheroes. In other words, we wouldn't be very good at it. <laughs> what I like about this concept is, and for a long time, I didn't believe like the team up movie really worked. And then Avengers came out and it was really great. And then I was like, Oh, well now it takes five other movies to make that work. And, uh, then Guardians of the Galaxy comes out and completely right. destroys that narrative. And right. I think the balance there versus, say, something like Batman versus Superman, which tries to introduce the Justice League in, in one movie, is like you're talking about. Maybe with minor characters, there's not as much pressure on it. And so right, you can for accept sure. the lack of backstory or whatever. There are things you don't want to see or you things you don't have to see. And so you still get all the joys of seeing a team-up movie and none of the pressure of like, you know, needing to see Thomas and Martha Wayne get murdered again, which to be fair, I never need to see again, but they f- apparently feel the pressure to do it. Um, <laughs> so I think this is a really strong idea to continue, get back into those team-up movies and event films, but by the way, not have 
all the care, worry, and concern about having... It's baggage. Yeah, baggage is a great word. I also think it plays to one of DC's strengths, which is they actually kind of have a deeper bench than Marvel. For sure. Like, for Marvel's sure. done better stuff with their bench in movies, but, I mean, DC and legacy characters and stuff like that, they, they've really done a lot with that, and none, not a lot of... That hasn't been represented great in their movies or their TV. <laughs> they sort of try to on the, on the uh, CW shows, but it hasn't worked out great. Yeah. I will I will say on your Guardians of the Galaxy note, it is a real bummer that that's already happened because I would really love Chris Pratt as Booster Gold in this movie. But <laughs> Chris he, Pratt he, would be a pretty great Booster Gold. He would. I hate to admit it, but he would actually would do a really good job. Yeah. Uh, which Booster Gold is kind of like reverse Peter Quill. Uh, like we're taking no, Peter Quill from the eighties. That's a good 80s. point, actually. <laughs> yeah. Taking Peter Quill from the eighties and inserting him today. Booster Gold's from the future and inserting it today. Like, uh, that's funny. Is there? Do you guys, Joseph? Do you have another one? I do. I have one more. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm surprised. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't want. I also have at the at the very end. I just I was thinking of because you know a lot of what we talk about with superhero movies is that for quite a long time they haven't just been superhero movies. They're kind of genre crossovers. Uh, with like superhero with some other kind of a genre. So I was trying to think of genres that I'd still like explored. And then I was also thinking of directors that haven't done a superhero movie mm, that I would yeah. be interested to see. Uh, but I want to come back to that one. But the one that I, I, like has kind of been done very recently that I still kind of want more out of is the uh, superhero detective story. We kind of got that in Detective Pikachu. That's kind of what that right. is. Right. Um, but I would still super be down for another one. You know, one of, the, one of the first ones that came to mind was like an elongated man movie, which would be ridiculous. And I don't know how you would do it, but it would just be funny to me. Um, elongated man would probably be on my Justice League team. But the one that, well, the one that I settled on, because it's so closely, I feel like re- resembles a movie that I've already seen. And I am just deeply in love with my own casting is I would love to see uh, uh, the question movie with Lakeith Sanfield as the question. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you, guys, if, you guys, if you guys haven't seen Sorry to Bother You, which is directed by Boots Riley, it's like this bizarre, surreal, it kind of starts off like an office spacey kind of movie where he's like working his way up a call center ladder by using his white voice. That's like the, the, the plot of the movie. But as it continues, like there's this, there's this larger, more sinister mechanism beneath it. It's, it's kind of like this unraveling conspiracy throughout the movie. Um, and Keith Stanfield is, is, you know, he's just perfect for this because he's perfect at that, like, uh, kind of, not crazy, I don't know, but like, uh, he doesn't seem all the way there. But I, I just feel like that would be really good for, you know, the, the whole, I, I, at least my experience with the question is, you know, he's supposed to be this brilliant investigator, this brilliant detective, but he's also kind of a tinfoil hat guy right, uh, right but just right. the tinfoil hat a lot of the tinfoil hat stuff that he uh, he uncovers might actually be true um and so i just i i just love this pairing i don't know what the story would be i don't know what grand conspiracy would be uncovered i'm sure there are plenty of options that could be explored but i uh you know as soon as in my mind i thought of lakeith stanfield as the question i could not put that on my list well you know um i and i think a, a strength of using like a secondary character like his is him is with with the question you could do an edgier and i don't mean edgier is just dark and gritted teeth i mean like a 
you know, take more chances with a Batman story if you weren't using Batman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, and, you know, him being a detective and a superhero and stuff, you can kind of, you, you know, you could kind of do some of the things like, well, you know, here's what I always wish we would have done with a Batman story, but you can't do it because this is, you know, and such would, a big part of our corporate revenue. Yeah. And I would absolutely like, it would require to have like these surreal, fantastical elements that, you know, he would experience by himself that he would have to like explain to other people and they'd be like, no fucking way, you know? Right, like basically like a Mission and J Frog sort of situation. Where I don't know only what that is, sees, but yes. <laughs> he's, the, he's the frog from Warner Brothers that sings oh, to the yeah, one Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, when you said this, you talking about, I think Jay here, you said Batman villain. I thought, do quarter vowels, but take Batman out and put the question in instead. I think that's really solid, actually. I like this idea. I like the casting. Something I think Hollywood has kind of moved past that is this like, being afraid to show your lead character thing you know that was like why tom cruise turned down iron man was he didn't want to wear a mask but i think things like the mandalorian i mean superhero in general but like the mandalorian is a great example you never you see pedro pascal for like two minutes in that thing but every and, and but yet you can market pedro pascal as the mandalorian even though he probably only wears he was like you know in the armor for like five days of filming um so i don't know that that's a fear anymore and i think that plays you know, the time is right for something like that. 10 years ago would have never happened. But now we don't feel the pressure of it anymore. Uh, that's a, it was a stupid rule to begin with. So you can take a, like an up and coming star like Lucky Stanfield. Um, I say up and coming. I, was about to say, I think he's already come up, but yeah, he's, okay. he's the lead in a new Nolan movie. So he's probably already there, but, and you can cast him in this big role and, or maybe not big role, but in a, in a superhero film and you, you don't feel like you're losing out you know, by, by having him there. I like it. Thanks. I also, I forgot the whole point of what I wanted to talk about with this episode. I don't even have anything else for, but if we're going to pitch DC movies, of course I want a Constantine too with, with, uh, with Keanu Keanu Reeves, just, just even older and more tired and more over it. I, I have never been so wrong about something about my original feelings of Constantine. That's a great movie. I hated it at the time. Like I was just so opposed to Constantine being an American, but uh, but that's a great movie. Yeah, it, it it gets a lot right. I feel like um, yep. it's 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 super fun time. Are there you say Constantine? Are there other characters you guys thought about doing, um, developing a pitch that you didn't go with? You know, I I was thinking real hard about Doom Patrol, and then I remember there's a Doom Patrol show. <laughs> that was also my problem. I wanted to do several of the Teen Titans things. Like they've kind of really fleshed that out in a not great, not like a bad way. I, I, apparently, people who like those shows like them, but you know, like I feel like they need some more breathing room too. All the Teen Titans and Teen Titans spinoffy kind of things. I kind of felt that way about bane like i was like man bane's such a cool character and i really don't feel like we've gotten like a really good interpretation of him on screen yet and then but i was like but we've already gotten him several times like i don't want to go back to this well um that we just keep rehashing and getting wrong it's kind of like doom right especially since you know as hurt was saying you know there is just such a deep roster to to dig from there's just it doesn't seem like you you just there's plenty of other stories to tell in the meantime you know, one of the others I didn't really flesh out as much either, but uh, I would like to see a Robin movie told from the point of view of Robin. Like, he's not yeah. hes not Batman's assistant. He's the main character. 
And instead, you know, Batman's the secondary character, you know, you know, Robin's a teenager trying to get out and fight teenage crime. And, you know, uh, his dad, who's trying to keep him in line, is the world's smartest asshole. Like, I think that could be a pretty fun movie. Yeah, Robin's a character. I just, I'm shocked we haven't got more of on film. Like, they just I mean, don't touch it. He's, he's probably in top five most recognizable characters. It's Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and then probably Robin. Probably even over Wonder Woman. So, I, th- yeah. I think I think Chris Nolan, by just implicitly ignoring him, has made Robin not cool for an entire generation who thinks that Chris Nolan is cool. Yeah. Well, that sucks. I agree. <laughs> agree. They're wrong. Yeah. But yeah. When, when Chris Nolan decided Robin is not an integral part of the Batman story, right? Uh, I feel like he decided for a lot of people that that was true. I think that's very true. Um, On so, Chris Nolan, the only other thing I wanted to ask is just sure. if you had said about directors, you thought I about did. directors. So, so I just kind of wanted to... Uh, so there are some that are like, I don't want to do superhero movies. Like, just, you know, like, I don't want to know a Baumbach superhero movie Ugh, no i did put greta gerwig on here just because i want to know what that would look like i have no idea what kind of movie that she would make but i have, I have a couple on here most of them would would probably edge towards the darker stuff i put down uh, the safety brothers but i have to imagine the safety brothers superhero movie would end up something like super right mm-hmm. and also uh taylor sheridan who did hell or high water and sicario you know also was something tense and gritty but i don't know what that would be but the one I was most interested in, just because I, I, I'm sure one of you guys can come up with what this would be. What would be what would a Baz Luhrmann superhero movie look like? What if, what is a superhero that is inherently all style and no substance? Oh man, I mean, because actually his style does seem like it would lead itself to like the over, over the top superheroes uh, stories, but I, I can't think of. I mean. I mean, maybe the aforementioned Booster Gold. I immediately thought Booster Gold. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, if there was one, I probably like a director I would want to see. And I feel like it's, you know, a crappy answer. And I guess he has made comic book movies before, but I would like to see GDT go back into that world. I think he has more stories. Guillermo del Toro has more stories to tell in that, in, in, I- in superhero spaces. And I, I want to see him go back to it. Man, I think he would be a great Fantastic Four director. When that would be really he, fun. When his version of of Hellboy was really Kirby Fantastic Four, like he sort of leaned more on the universe is huge and incomprehensible, and that's fucking awesome. <laughs> sort of, uh, sort of uh, side of things. So I, I, I think that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Anything else we want to do for our DC pitches before we move on to what we're watching? I think I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I still think you might have the most marketable ones, Christian. Uh, yeah, I do like, the green the Green Lantern one specifically, I think, could like go into production tomorrow. Right. Thank you. I apparently missed my calling in writing <laughs> film scripts. Apparently. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's our uh, DC pitch episode if you guys have any other uh characters or stories that you'd like to see within this universe which i'm sure that you do because again up until like you know 15 years ago you know who gave a fuck about anybody in marvel outside of the fucking x-men right hey so yeah write us in uh, at real phones uh, gmail.com we're on facebook just post i'd love to hear any other any other d3 stories you think uh need to be told or movies you'd want to see in that universe but that's it for that. What have we been watching, guys? I'll start. 
I watched nothing. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I did did reread Fellowship of the Ring. With, uh, I don't know if I've talked about this yet. Obviously, I did The Hobbit a couple weeks ago. I've been making my way through uh, the Lord of the Rings books, too. Read Fellowship of the Ring. There is so much, you know, I've read them several times in the past, but there's so much in there that happens before those hobbits get to Rivendell that those movies completely skip over. And a lot of it's really interesting. Um, A lot of really great lines of dialogue that the movie includes, like between uh, Gandalf and Frodo and Moria, that all happens, you know, still in the Shire. Um, So it's, it's, I get why that stuff doesn't really have, you know, Tom Bombadil and stuff like that. I get that that stuff doesn't have a, overarching purpose um but it is cool to see some maybe again dialogue or emotional beats that um in the in the peter jackson films like he includes later on but to really see where they are in the context of the story because frodo is really whiny and really does not want to do it in fellowship of the ring uh he has to learn the lesson that this is my job through that book and the i played uncharted 2 I like that game. I think I prefer the story of the first one more, but man, the jump up in like mechanics and everything yeah, no, is the, way it's cooler. It's just so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was it. I like it. Cool. Yeah. I, it's funny because you're, you're, have you played all of them before? No, I've never played them before. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested to hear how you feel about the next two. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, like I said earlier, I kind of talked about what I was going to talk about and what we're, uh, uh, reading in my pitch, I'd been rereading a, a run of Justice League by uh, uh, Keith Giffen and J.M. Dumartes and, um, and Kevin McGuire that was sort of a comedy run, and it holds up. But, uh, so I think I will use my time instead bring up two things I forgot to mention in last week's 1999 episodes uh, of The Hidden Gems. <laughs> First one, I can't believe, because I've been thinking about it so much lately, I did not mention American movies. Are you guys familiar with this at all? Nope. Okay. Uh, American Movie is a documentary about this sort of hapless loser guy who's trying to make his own horror movie. And the reason I've been thinking of it so much lately is, you know, we as a people have, have decided we're going to call this epidemic one thing or the other. There are people who are on team Corona and most people are on team COVID, but I cannot say COVID because it makes me think of this movie. Because one of the one of the things in this movie is his uh, he's making a movie called Coven, but he doesn't like saying Coven because it sounds like oven. So he's calling the movie Coven. And every <laughs> time someone says Coven, I just think of this movie. But uh, it's a real good movie. It's it's kind of one of those things where it starts off where it's like, oh, this guy is a loser. He's fun to watch and make fun of. And then about halfway through, you're like, you know what? good for him doing his thing, living his life. And by the end of it, you kind of envy him. You know, this is a guy who's found his way to be happy. Uh, I highly recommend it. American movie. Uh, other one from 1999 I wanted to bring up was a movie called Ghost Dog, colon, Way of the Samurai. <laughs> Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Now, I've never watched this movie, uh, but I just love that name. Ghost Dog, colon, Way of the Samurai. And it stars Forrest Whitaker. I, I, for some reason, when this movie came out, I just thought that was the most fun title for a movie ever. And I think it's like, you know how Desmond had the one Charles Dickens book? He was waiting to be the last book he read in his life. 
I think this is going to be the last movie I watch in my life. That's I like awesome. it. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, again, I guess it's a weird recommendation because I haven't seen it, but I just think it's important that everyone knows there's a movie out there called Ghost, Ghost Dog, Dog Colon, Way of the Samurai. It is definitely, uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's unfortunate that it's a name of a movie because it's definitely a great album name. <laughs> it is, totally. That's all I got. I like it. Well, I've been watching a lot this week, though a lot of it was one show. Uh, I started and finished uh, HBO's The Outsider this week. Did you um, like that? I really liked it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have finished it this week. Right, right, right. I liked it a lot, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, the first two episodes are directed by Jason Bateman, and they're excellently directed. And I'm like, well, I, I know he did uh, Bad Words, which I also like, but should Jason Bateman be directing more? Is this a <laughs> Maybe thing? he should. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you know, I, uh, I forget how much I like those murder mystery things. And I also like the supernatural murder mystery thing. So it, it checked a lot of boxes for me that I had forgotten that needed checking. Uh, good. That, that first episode is really good because we, uh, me and Sarah were sort of at odds when we started watching that. She wanted a new show and I did not want a new show. I'm kind of sick of shows, but we watched that first episode and it was so good. I was like, well, fuck now i gotta finish this yeah <laughs> it makes me want to i need to go back and i want to watch uh, the night of now because i still haven't seen that either i know it is not supernatural but i just like those right. murder mystery things um i want to i'll do want to also say this is a spoiler have you seen the outsider christian i have not no okay then i'm not gonna talk about it with you in case you ever watch it yeah because you should it's it's really good it is it, I, I good I think it's getting, it gets mixed reviews from people. Me and Sarah were talking to some friends about it, and none of them had liked it, but I really liked it. I think a lot of people have the same experience. Well, my, my dad had a, a roller coaster experience where he was super into it, mm-hmm. and then he got a whiff that it was, there was a supernatural element to it, right. and then he was out on it, but then he finished it. He's like, oh, no, it's really good. You got to finish it. <laughs> uh, which, I, yeah, I, I get it. One thing that, uh, that, also, Sarah came to this conclusion while watching it, and I thought it was a solid conclusion. Uh, you can fix a whole lot of what's wrong with Rogue One if you switch Mendo and Hannibal's roles. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because Mendo is way better at being endearing. You didn't know that at the time, because I don't, or at least I didn't, because I'd only seen him as assholes. But he's really good at being endearing, and really, Hannibal's only good at being sexy cool and kind of evil <laughs> i don't want to get back I, I can't help it i'm starting it i don't want to get back into relitigating rogue one but <laughs> not using not using mendo's like unhinged intimidating was such <laughs> a fucking waste i'm not yeah. saying i'm not saying he doesn't you know he doesn't fit like the the cowering toady uh you know bureaucratic type he's fine at that but that's like you're not you're not maximizing your opportunities there right that's it for that um this friday i'm I'm starting a new ritual we're watching a ghibli movie every week until i stop doing that but uh (laughs) the wife and i watched uh spirited away great movie i don't have anything bad to say about it you know it's great i know it's great it's great uh i also watched mirai which is uh another japanese animated movie that's not a studio ghibli film and it's like a uh, about a, a young boy who feels kind of upstaged by the birth of uh, his baby sister. Um, and it's kind of him, it's unclear exactly how magical it is, but kind of him 
coming to terms with that through the, the, the course of several magical adventures with his own relatives, but at different points in times, like he'll meet uh, his great grandfather when he was, you know, like in his thirties or his mom when his mom was his age or those kind of things. But it's a, it's, it's fun, both like it's a fun, fantastical adventure, but it's also kind of just this fun concept to like get to know people in your family, like at different points in their life um, than you've known them. So I, I really liked it. It was, it was really charming. Uh, though I won't say it sells you really hard on parenthood. <laughs> uh, and then the last movie, I have to make sure I pull up this quote. The last movie I watched, which was a mistake because I know in my heart that I'm going to watch uh, Ad Astra this week, was the indie sci-fi movie called High Life starring Robert Pattinson because I'm determined to stand for Robert Pattinson even though no one is, is fighting me on it anymore. <laughs> uh, and I wish, I, so after every movie, I go on IMDb and read all the trivia for that movie. That's like my thing. I wish I had read this before I watched the movie because it would have changed my decision. This is from the director about what this movie is about. <clears throat> the film is about sexuality, not sex. Sensuality, not pornography. Sexuality is about fluids. As soon as sexuality stirs within us, we know it's all about fluids, blood, sperm, etc. Uh, I thought if we want that fluid subtext of wor- uh, to work, we had to reduce the sex act to masturbation. I forbade myself any naked scenes. No erect cocks, no gaping pussies. We did it another way. High Life speaks only of desire and of fluids. The film shows many taboos about our own bodies, about intimacy, and about around, of course, incest. It's a taboo, but it exists. Uh, so I will never watch this movie. <laughs> that's right. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah, that sounds Cronenbergy as fuck. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, you know what? It's a movie that's got a lot of fluids in it. I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna tell you it doesn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think it's actual. I don't think it's like bad. You know, I, I get what was going on. It was just not what I was looking for. And I didn't have a good time with it. I do really wonder why it had to be in space. There was really nothing about it that was particularly space dependent, I felt like. I just feel like she read an article about a black hole once. It's like, oh, what if I just had a movie there? But look, uh, first two, Spirited Away and Mirai, better than Transformers. I can see how you could watch this movie and feel like it's better than Transformers just because it like elicits a reaction. but. Fuck, man. I don't recommend it. It was worse than Transformers <laughs> for me. Is, is there any reference to the champagne of beers in it? No, there's not. Because, I mean, it seems like it's called High Life. It's about fluids. You feel like you have to work that in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, also, uh, yeah, uh, this, is, this is a non-spoiler. But one of my favorite things in, uh, in The Outsider, and I don't even, I'm not even a Stephen King uh, connoisseur, but it was the other Stephen King references that they made or even like intentional not Stephen King references that they made. Uh, At one point they're talking about a car that mysteriously gets from one city to another city, seemingly without a driver. And one of the guys guys says, what are you talking about? Like a ghost car? And the other guy's like, (laughs) my mom, the car. And I was like, is that what I was expecting? You know, like, (laughs) of course you're expecting Christine, but they don't go in that direction. And uh, I really appreciated that. But yeah, that's it. That's all I've been watching. Before you ask, there's no plan for next week. Yeah, that's fair. So next week, you know, we'll be back uh, with ourselves and our delightful personalities. I don't know if they're actually that delightful, but if you listen to them, I assume that you think that they are. Uh, And that's really all that matters. Uh, So, uh, yeah, join us next week for us uh, and some kind of movie bullshit. 
if you want to get in touch with us again, I, I you know, I love these pitch episodes. I'm, I'm, it always stresses me out before we start them, but I really like, you know, kind of the exploration we get into once we get started. So if uh, this has sparked any other ideas in you guys uh, in a DC universe movie, please send them in. We'd really love to hear them. We will read them out on air and, and talk about them ourselves. If you got them, uh, you can reach us at real gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at real phonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Uh, thanks again to Zach Evans uh, for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Later.